0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, March 24th, and I'm Blair Kirkby. We're talking Royals today with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. Lynn comes to us from Surprise, Arizona. Vahe and Sam have also been at the spring training site this past week. We discuss first impressions of Bobby Witt Jr., including that Titanic home run he hit earlier this week, and Lynn tells us why, as of today. He is not the Royals' opening day starting third baseman. Spoiler alert: It's a technicality that involves paperwork. We also discuss the hot start for outfielder Edward Olivares. You remember how he shuttled between Omaha and Kansas City last year. We talk about Hunter, how Hunter Dozier dealt with his slump last season and how Zach grinke is relating to the Royals' young rotation. We cover a lot of ground on today's show that started as a Royals Sports Beat live. So. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to Royals Beat Live, our weekly interaction with the star reporters and columnists who cover the team. And with you on today's show, you'll hear some audio from Bobby Witt Jr., but mostly you'll hear from our folks. Sam is in surprise, and it's great to see you, Sam. Sam. Um, Uh, You have uh, you've seen the Royals now for three or four days, right? You went from the the, the KU uh, NCAA tournament covering KU in Texas and you've been in uh, you were in Arizona for the next several days. So it is great to have you. And um, and and I wanted to start. um,
1: I actually went from Fort Worth to uh, Arizona and I am now in Chicago for uh, for KU. So, um, it's been quite the jet.
0: Yeah. Quite the jet setter. You are Sam. That's fantastic. So, um, and obviously you're in a suite because I see a couch behind you. So that's,
1: (laughs) you know, what I'm actually at, uh, my, my wife's here in Chicago. My in-laws live here. So I'm at, uh, I'm at my father-in-law's place.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, this is our second show, right? We did, um, Uh, We we did the first one last Thursday. When the season begins, by the way, we will switch over to Tuesdays, which is where this show existed last season. Uh, But for now, and and while the Royals are playing the exhibition schedule, we'll be coming to you on Thursdays. Um, So, Sam, you were at Surprise Stadium uh, when Bobby Witt Jr. hit the home run that I think landed just about now. Um so uh, uh it was against the the uh the Oakland A's and uh, and so uh, was Lynn worthy at the game. Lynn's great to see you um coming at us from surprise. So uh, we're just getting ready to talk about Bobby Witt Jr and um because it's been two shows of Royal Sports Beat live and um and, and we have to talk Bobby Witt Jr in in greater detail than we already have. So um, let's start with the home run that he hit on uh, was a Tuesday of this week against Oakland. That uh, that went way up the grassy bank in um, at, the, at the ballpark. And what um, uh, what Bobby Witt said about that stroke and just you know being a Royal in um, you know it, it, it spring training. It's, it's I think it's belabors the obvious to say he is the opening day third baseman for Kansas city. And what has been, Lynn, let's start with you. What has been your impression of Bobby, Wood's play through, you know, just for you know, the Royals have only played four games and I know he hasn't played in all of them, but, um, what's been your impression of Bobby, with junior at spring training?
2: Well, I would say, um, I think you're correct. Uh, I believe it's required by law that we talk about Bobby with junior, every chance that we get, or at least once in an episode, um, and yeah, I mean, the home run, actually, I think he tried to claim post game that, you know, the wind helped that carry, which I don't think anybody who was there listening to him bought that. But, you know, I guess it was just a little bit of his modesty and humbleness showing there. Um, and I mean, I think last year there was one, I'm trying to remember what the total was. It was like 480 feet, I think it was last year in spring training that he hit one. Um, and so, I mean, you could maybe say that maybe that would have only been what 450. <laughs> so, um, I could if you want to put wind into that 480, okay. But that one the other day, no, that was that was crushed. Um, I think really what he was trying to say was, you know, he hit one hard earlier in the game that got caught. And I think he was trying to say the difference between the, the one that got caught and that one was maybe there's a little wind behind it, but um, yeah, I mean, technically, right now, um, I guess if you want to go technically, he's not the opening day third baseman yet because he's not on the 40-man roster, which actually worked out for their favor because he was able to train, um, you know, with the the team earlier than everybody else because of, uh, you know, the lockout and everything. Um, But, yeah, that's just a roster move right now. So so technicalities-wise, yeah, he's not the opening day third baseman yet. But um, I think something crazy would probably have to happen for that not to be the case um, on April 7th.
0: So it's just paperwork that's preventing Bobby Witt from being in the, in the opening day starting lineup right now.
2: Yeah, that and um, I guess you know just the uh, that old, you know you got to earn it, and we don't want to just hand the kid anything and how, whatever you want to call that mentality. But because um, even right now, I mean, I think you know Mike Matheny probably won't come out and say it, but I mean the lineup they put out opening day was pretty telling. I mean, must say opening day, I mean the first spring training game with. Um, Nikki Lopez at second, Mondesi at short, Bobby at third. Um, I think it was Santana at first. I think Dozier was uh, the DH that day. And then you had Ben Intendi, Michael A. Taylor, and Whit Merrifield going around the outfield and Sal Perez behind the plate. I mean, that's – I mean, I would not be surprised at all if that's how the opening day lineup looks.
1: I think, Blair, one of the other reasons not to announce it yet is because, you know, it, it, like Lynn mentioned, if you're – gonna. Good- Going to announce him as on the roster. It's on the forty-man roster, so it can't come out with the rest of the, the the team being unveiled for opening day, unless you wait to make that move. So I think if they made that move on the forty-man now, you know, just last week he was announced as number one prospect. I, I think there's something to not every week, just having him in the spotlight as much as possible. Um, now, of course, like you mentioned on Tuesday, he puts himself in the spotlight. I mean, on on the crack of the bat, you knew it was gone. I mean, the ball sounds differently when it comes off of his bat. I know that's something that people probably say a lot, but it's never more obvious than in spring training when you can watch guys take BP um, and swing over and over and over again that um, there's just a different sound when it comes off his bat. Um, I'm most impressed with, you know, how short his swing is for how much power he's able to generate off of it. And, you know, Lynn mentioned his post-game interview after the home run. That was one of the things he mentioned was that he's really trying to shorten up his swing, yet keep the barrel in the zone for as long as possible. And um, I know somebody on Twitter had synced up his swing and Mike Trout's, um, we're probably what, at least one step away from him being Mike Trout. Um, But there are some similarities in just how short their swing is, yet they're still able to generate power from it. Half a step- I saw that, go ahead Bobby. Half a step from
3: Mike Trout, what do you think Bobby? Already there? Can you hear me first? (laughs) Everybody,
0: everybody do this.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we got you by Our top story tonight is, (laughs) um, Hey, first of all, before I say anything else, I want to tell you one of the things I learned at spring training that I found rather charming that if Carlos Hernandez approaches you, he'll say, Hey, I have one question for you. And then he'll say, how are you? Uh, I saw him do that over and over again, and I think you guys might have already had some observations about him. But he's a pretty friendly guy, and, uh, and nice to see that out there. And that's my opening gambit. What were we talking about, though?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's hear from Bobby Witt. And uh, this is this is from this is uh, from Linworthy tape uh, or a video that he took uh, in the clubhouse. After the game in which Bobby Witt hit the home run, he describes what he saw, and yes, he addresses the the idea of the wind blowing out and how lucky he was just to hit a you know a bomb. So let's go, money. Let's hear from Bobby Witt.
4: Last at before that, hit solid contact. So I was just really just trying to go up there and do the same thing, see some pitches, and he was throwing a lot of like little sliders and stuff. And then he came in, and I was able to be on time and got to it. Look, I think the wind changed oh, a little bit. I think that's where really that times of luck was able to get out. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's always good. And it was kind of a close game. So it's always good to just kind of help the team. And and Brewer hit the homer to go ahead, which is awesome. Just seeing everyone dug out smiling and everything. so it's, it's always great to see a guy like that have success. Yeah, I'm just trying to simplify it as much as possible. Just try to get short and quick as possible and try to stay in, lo- stay in the zone as long as possible because these guys they are throwing 100. They're throwing 92 per hour sliders. You just got to make contact it will go so just try to put the barrel on the ball and hopefully good things will happen yeah so this morning we actually worked out a little pop-up priority so that goes to the the staff they they kind of knew what was coming that's that's where you really got to listen to the the coaches coaching staff because they know what's going to happen in the game They, they just i guess have a feeling so yeah we worked on that early in early work and then came out to the game and luckily the sun was just out
0: of the way of the ball okay a few things here um First of all, as as often as we've talked about Bobby Witt and as many shows dating back to last year as we discussed, you know, the top Royals prospect, I believe that is the first time we have seen him on this show. So it's always great to connect a a face with a story. And that's what we did here today. Number two, uh, it speaks to the versatility of one Lynn Worthy, who is doing the interview, taking the video, and then afterwards editing the video, writing the story. Um that's uh, that, that is terrific work by by Lynn Worthy. And third, uh, I thought it was interesting, Sam McDowell, when you said uh, the ball sounds differently when it comes off the bat of Bobby Wood Jr., Vaje will uh, will remember this. Uh Buck O'Neill used to say the same thing about certain players, um, said it about Bo Jackson, and he was saying that in reference to uh yeah, uh it reminded me of of Josh Gibson and Babe Ruth. <laughs> So um not to pile any more expectation on Bobby Rich Jr. But um but heck you brought it up, Sam. So that's uh that's what we're gonna well that's what we'll say about that. Um what what a, what
1: a, Blair, one more thing about what Bobby uh, said there was um I, I feel like this may get a little bit Mahomes like, but We would have focused a lot on a defensive play he made earlier in that game um, had it not been for the home run because he he talked about that a little bit about learning from the coaches down the foul line because he is learning a new position this year. I mean, he's playing third base. He's a natural shortstop, and he made a great over-the-shoulder catch on a foul ball that he had to track.
0: Uh, Lynn, how comfortable does Bobby Wood Jr. look at third base? Uh, You know, is that uh, – I know we talked last year about how he – be the Royal Shortstop of the future. Well, right now he seems to be the third baseman of the future. And how, how comfortable does he look at that position?
2: I mean, he he's I, I think I asked him once. Um i trying to remember if it was the first week, but uh I know I've asked him before, just sort of not necessarily on camera, but just you know, not um just sort of just in casual conversation. He says it's fine. I mean it's <laughs> the same side of the infield. Um if you remember last year. Basically, the second half of spring training, he was getting a lot of looks at second base because, you know, Nikki was having a, a rough spring and it was starting to look like maybe they might force the issue there. Um, but um, same side of the field sh- uh shortstop by being at third base. He got some looks at third base going back to. I want to say spring training 2.0 on the pandemic season. Um, he got some looks, I think, at the alternate site. And then last year in the minor leagues, he played mostly at shortstop, but also got some some time in at third base. So it's not foreign to him. He says it's, it feels pretty natural. Um, I think I, I said at one point, I remember I brought up the idea of stuff getting to you faster, getting on you faster. And he was like, yeah, but you got more time to make the throw as well. So, I mean, he seems pretty relaxed about it.
0: Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, let's uh, – it, it, look, it's been 15 minutes on, on Bobby Witt. I think that's probably enough time. We'll uh, maybe set aside 15 minutes each show for um, – uh, for Bobby Wood, but I want to talk about um, a, a, a player who's actually uh, a little bit hotter at the plate right now, and that is um, uh, Oliveras, Edward Oliveras. The guy is on fire, right? Six, uh, seven for ten in the spring. Uh, two home runs, triple, swinging, just swinging a hot bat. And we remember him as the guy who made was how many trips between Omaha and Kansas City last year? How many times was he option, Lynn, do you remember?
2: I believe it was eight during the regular season. So, I mean, that's not counting, you know, when you got assigned in uh, spring training or any of that sort of stuff. So once the regular season started, I think it was eight separate times being up and having been sent back down to the minors.
0: Just eight. Okay.
3: <laughs> I, have you ever seen that that happen that many times in a season? I don't remember that. I feel like it has, but
2: not so I mean um a couple of people this year actually i think in the last month or so on twitter at least we're talking about who's been who was optioned the most last year because this year there's going to be an actual limit on options so that's why i came up and i remember somebody listed i can't remember who the player was but i thought there was somebody that was got into double digits um and it was it wasn't with the Royals with somebody else. Um, and I think you, I feel like you see it more with pitchers, particularly bullpen guys, and that sort of thing. You know, when you need a, a fresh arm or you need somebody when you look at for availability on a certain night. But for position players, I mean, that's that's the definition of that Omaha Kansas City shuttle right
3: there. At, at Blair, you're probably asking this in as many words, but um, Lynn, what do you think about where he's what he's playing his ways to? That, that's um, an interesting question.
2: As a matter of fact, I think uh, Salvador Perez, we were talking to in the clubhouse after yesterday's game, and somebody brought up Oliveras, and he said, Yeah, he said, it's going to be a tough decision for Skip, <laughs> you know, as in Mike Matheny, um, just because, I mean, the, the, and the. And the other part of that is everybody's going to say, Oh, well, how can he not make the team? And I think somebody tweeted at me yesterday. I was like, Well, I guess that depends on whether, one, whether you think it's. Um, Better or not for him to be able to get regular playing time, or and also early in the season, how they break up the roster. Because for it sounds like I don't think it's been official yet, but um, the report was that until May second, they might have twenty eight roster spots and be able to use as many pitchers as they want on that roster. Um, so if stands the reason that early in the season, it might weigh more towards getting more pitchers on the roster, so you have fresh arms, and so the guys who aren't stretched out, you still have coverage for that. Um, but the other thing is, is I mean, like you've got. Uh, Gold Glove left fielder and center fielder who are probably going to play every day. Whit Merrifield, if he's not at second base, is probably going to be in right field. Um, And Hunter Dozier probably may get some time out in right field if he's not at first base, where you probably have Carlos Santana. Um, And you also, you know, you say DH for Dozier as well, but also the days that Salvi's not behind the plate, he's probably going to be at DH some. So it's not like there's a spot where he's going to be in the lineup every day or one that's um, readily evident uh, right now. Um, so if, if he's a, you know, uh, fourth outfielder type, um, I think the fact, maybe the most encouraging thing I saw yesterday was he played center field for most of the game and he looked pretty good out there. There was times in the last couple of years in the outfield where there's been some adventures on some defensive plays in the outfield. And, you know, in Kaufman Stadium that the, the Royals put a premium on, you know, guys who can cover ground, who can make the defensive plays that they, they need to make. So uh, it's but it's going to be interesting, especially since you like I say you have those those guys that are already in place. Kyle Isbo started the season last year in opening day roster. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's uh, and he gives you a left-handed bat. Um, So and as of right now, I mean you still have a guy like you know whether they want to have a guy like uh, Ryan O'Hearn off the bench who they can play outfielder or first base and give you a left-handed bat who's uh, got some pop. Um, So they have options. It's going to be a matter of how they, you know, what decisions they want to make, what decisions they want to make early versus long-term and, um, you know, what's going to be the best they think as far as him getting, you know, the most out of playing time.
0: One thing that seems apparent to me is they don't have to worry about depth around the infield just because of the versatility of Whit Merrifield, right? He can play all the infield positions. So when you're looking at, um, what amounts to pinch hitters uh, and, and guys that can give starters a rest. First of all, you're looking at uh, Gallagher, right? Because you need a backup catcher. But then, you are looking at Ryan O'Hearn, Kyle Isbell, Edward Olivares, um, You know, mostly you know outfielders, DH types. Uh, O'Hearn, of course, uh, first baseman as well. So, um, uh, they they do have a, a little bit of luxury with uh, not having to have that additional player who's, you know, who's, you know, middle of the infield guy. Um, So, uh, but, but Oliveris, gosh, you'd like to see him hit his way into the, you know, onto the roster and, um, and, and, and get a, and and get a good solid opportunity after what, uh, what he went through last year. Um, Speaking of a couple players we, we just mentioned, um, what, the, the the Royals uh, avoided arbitration with uh, was uh, six players, but not with two. So um, Nicky Lopez and Andrew Benintendi uh, have not uh, settled with the Royals. What are the prospects of of that happening? Seems like the Royals have a history of uh, of not letting cases go to arbitration, but uh, it, it it could happen this time. Could it? Could it not, Lynn?
2: Yeah, it could. Um, I mean, and based off of uh, I think it was um, the numbers that I saw reported by uh, Mark Feinsand from MLB Network, um, it sounded like Nikki's numbers, as far as what the was offered and what um, asked for, are really pretty close. I think it's within like five hundred thousand dollars. If I'm going off the top of my head, um, Ben Intendis was a little bit further. I think it was closer to a million. It was it was maybe eight hundred thousand, close to a million, apart. Um, and so, I mean, the Royals have gone all the way down to, I think Eric Hosmer in 15 had the hearing scheduled, but then came to a deal, um, on a contract I think was maybe two years at that time. Um, so they've, um, they had only one guy, um, blank on the first name, but Maurer, I believe was uh, the relief pitcher who went to arbitration with them. And that's in the entire time that Dayton Moore has been in charge of baseball operations. Um, so they've had one go all the way through the arbitration process uh, and the Royals ended up winning uh, that case. Um, But other than that, it's been, you know, they've found ways to settle, even if it's gone down to, like I say, with Hosmer, they had a meeting scheduled or the hearing scheduled and they still came up with a deal. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, they still got something done. Like I said, especially with Nikki's feeling like it's so close, I wouldn't be surprised if they still did something there. Um, With Benny, maybe it. Maybe it does go all the way through with Benny. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, most years they get something done. But I think there's a feeling that it wouldn't be surprising if one or two did go this year. At least that was the feeling a couple of days ago. And then we see that there's two guys who, you know, who didn't settle yet. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Benny still gets there as far as I uh, guess to an arbitration hearing. One player who uh... –
0: signed with the Royals, had a nice contract extension with the Royals in recent years, is Hunter Dozier and didn't live up to that deal in his uh, last last year. And Vahe, I know you spent some time with him at spring training and kind of detailed his frustrations at the plate. And uh, I, I thought it was re- interesting the way he opened up to you. What, what were your big takeaways from your conversation with Hunter Dozier?
3: Well, you know, the, the thing that really stuck out to me was Unlike a lot of athletes, I think the reason he wanted to open up about this was because he he really wants fans to understand how much he cares, and that I mean, in fact, I circled back and talked to him the day after and just thanked him for his candor. And he said he he just he wants people to know that you know he he might not he might try not to show it on the field, but this means everything to him. And part of what you're alluding to, Blair, is him talking about. Um, you know how much sleep he lost, and even kind of this this quirky place where he got where he was getting home at midnight from games, and the first thing he was doing was getting a bat out in his garage and going out in the driveway and taking swings you know against the air at the midnight hour and at one point he finally just you know said to himself, "What am I doing?" and you know I laughed when he said that while we were talking. <laughs> And I and then I apologized. I said I really shouldn't laugh. That he started laughing. He said, "No, it's pretty funny because it's kind of ridiculous." Um, but you, you you get into these places where you're so far into the rabbit hole that you, you 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 need a moment to wake you up. And you know he also wanted to make clear that you know what happened from there wasn't that oh he just decided he's not going to work as hard. Um, part of his problem is his obsessiveness. This happens to a lot of people in a lot of professions where. You just can't let go, and you, in 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 our jobs, I guess we would you know figuratively say we're squeezing the sawdust out of the bat. And their jobs, they probably literally are. Um, but he just tried to tell himself, remember what he loves about the game, and ju- just play. And maybe most important of all, don't look at don't look at what your batting average has been. Look at the day before you, because he, there were reasons why he got in that hole, and it's not just because he's no good um, he's shown moments of, you know, real accomplishment and promise, but he got into bad habits, trying to protect the thumb. He should have shut it down for a month. I mean, in hindsight and, you know, but he went with the Kirchhoff thing where you you keep, you keep typing even when you got like a whole broken hand. So, (laughs) you know, some guys just don't learn.
0: (laughs) I remember him hitting a lot of Adam balls, uh, last year, just, you know shots right at couldn't get could really couldn't catch a break on hard hit balls and was just at at, at you know for a while just so unlucky at, at the plate
3: yeah and just one thing to add to that it's really interesting because i i saved the bulk of this for another time but one of the great benefits of being back in the clubhouse is just the opportunities for more casual conversations that just kind of sprawl out and i got somehow got on a tangent with Whit Merrifield just talking about hitting in general and um, Wit's kind of got this mindset where he understands you can hit the perfect pitch with at the perfect speed and the perfect place, do everything just right and make it out. And he's also got the mindset that he can say, so what, and go to the next at bat. He actually used that term. So what? And Hunter, Hunter hasn't really had that, the same ability as Wit to just kind of move on. But you're right, blair. that's that's part of the game too. I mean, even when you start kind of coming out of a funk, if you don't get a couple of things to just sort of fall your way, then it just folds into the next.
0: It was good stuff. i I just it was a terrific story and 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 nice of Hunter Dozier to, to just share his um his thoughts from last season with you. um Sam, I was uh, a week ago uh, we we, we we did our first show the day I think it was the day after Zach Greinke um, had had signed, and and, and so we, we covered a lot of Zach Greinke. But now we've seen him pitch once, and I I loved what um, uh, what he said about observing other Royal starters and uh, using spring training to get to know this this club. He listen, he's uh, Royals fans finally remember him in a Cy Young season, but he was gone after the 2010 season, and Salvador Perez didn't come up until 2011, so there is no crossover really between Zach Grinke and uh, and, and Royals uh, that are, uh, other Royals that are, that are on the roster, so he has spent some time in spring training getting to know the other starting pitchers. What's, what's the value in that for Zach Grinke?
1: Yeah, I meant to look up, Blair, because I saw Tony Pena Jr., if maybe that was somebody uh, – you know, he's a coach out here. I, w- I wondered if maybe that was somebody Zach Greinke had uh, overlapped with but forgot to, to, to check those dates. Um, yeah, he said in his opening press conference somebody had asked him whether or not he knew the rest of the staff, and he said, not as well as I should. And, you know, it's not really every starting pitcher's job to be um, an expert on the next starting pitcher's arsenal. But Zach Grinke apparently feels like it's his job. And also, I think he really enjoys that aspect of, of the job. You know, he likes to scout other players, his teammates. Um, and so what's been funny is, is he doesn't tell the teammates that he's going to do it. So, you know, Daniel Lynch uh, one day had a live session that followed Brady Singer. So Brady Singer decided to stick around and watch Daniel Lynch throw and literally sat down before he realized when he turned over that Zach Grinky was already sitting there. And sort of like, what, what what are you doing here? And later he's watching a Brady Singer bullpen. At, at one point, um, Brad Keller was throwing a bullpen and looked behind him and saw that Zach Rehnke just sort of squatting there behind his bullpen, you know, getting the best view possible of, of the movement of his pitches. Um, and and kind of, yeah, I saw him do it once, which is sort of prompt, what prompted me to ask the other starting pitchers about it uh, with Daniel Lynch on Tuesday. And he doesn't say anything to Daniel Lynch, but he says um, he does talk to, to the pitching coaches and assistant pitching coaches as he's observing the guy. And Lynch said he's, he's been great as far as uh, as as eager and willing um, to answer questions as he wants to ask them. Now he did say you've got to ask them on a certain level, uh, meaning he doesn't want them to be just sort of the basics of baseball. You know, Lynch is asking about curveball grips. And um, and Grinky told him, you've got to settle on the one you've got the best command of. It's it, you know, you're you're going to be swayed to throw the one that is the nastiest pitch. But what you want to do is throw the one that has the best command. So, you know, when we, when they signed Grinky, they said he was going to help the younger guys. I guess I anticipated it would be a more learned from by example sort of thing. But he he's really been hands on in his first week.
0: Sounds encouraging to me that um, that that he's taken that role and um, you know more than just a you know just a veteran starting presence he's providing the presence of a you know of a success a pitcher who's had a successful career and hopes to you know c- continue it here in you know in Kansas City. Hey, did either of you guys in your um, in your trip to Surprise get to see Amir Garrett pitch?
1: I did not. No. Did not.
0: Okay um Steve asked about Amir Garrett um and we 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 spoke about him last week as well and of course you know my you know my uh, my first observation of him at, is my next observation of him after being a you know kind of a physical specimen tall and you know left-handed uh, hard thrower is he was a college basketball prospect and you know just in time for the NCAA tournament uh, recruited by by Kansas uh, among others and ended up going to St John so Looking forward to seeing what he's about, and he strikes me as the guy type of guy that'll be in the um, you know a candidate for the back end of the bullpen.
3: I'm interested to see. Go ahead, Sam.
1: Well, I was just going to say, you know, the only observations I've gotten of him were in the locker room, and he he has been interacting with with his new teammates quite a bit. He seems to be an outgoing personality. Haven't seen him on the field yet.
3: I was going to say basically the same thing. He, he seems like he's uh, really looking to engage with his teammates, and you know, I, it's whatever that's worth, it's it's kind of cool to see here in the early going, and and uh, we know everything's possible right now.
0: Okay, I promised you some John Sherman uh, uh, sound. We are not going to get to that this week because uh, Sam McDowell, Linworthy, and Vahe Gregorian were so engaging that uh, we just ran out of, ran out of space. So we will bring you some John Sherman soon. I thought he was interesting, especially on the downtown stadium question last week. And uh, it, it we will absolutely run that. I want uh, Sam and Vahe to think about this. One of the, one, uh, one of the um, questions, that actually didn't come up as a direct question, but John Sherman volunteered. It said um, he took his, his future wife on their first date to Kauffman Stadium, so I want to know from Vahe Sam, and I'll get this to Lynn as well, if you've ever taken a date to a Major League Baseball game, and if so, what were the circumstances, and and um, did it work out? So we'll we'll get to that uh, in a future show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cliffhanger, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks to Monty Davis uh, for producing, and uh, to Lynn, Sam, and Bahe for participating, and to you all for uh, for for watching and offering us your comments and questions. So we'll do it again next Thursday on Royals Sports Beat Live. That'll do it for today. Big thanks to Monty Davis for producing this podcast and the Royals Sports Beat Live, and to the Sports Beat KC staff of Jeff Rosen and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Linworthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell for coming on today's show. The Kansas City Star Morning Sports Edition, 56 pages today. Great stuff. Go to the subscription tab on KansasCity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday for another Beat KC podcast.